As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 229 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Recording this on a Friday. We are. It's beautiful outside. It is. I got flip-flops on today. You were the, I, this is the first time I've worn them this year to the office. Sorry. Really? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I start early. I am known for wearing weather inappropriate shoes. I, I, I usually rock the, the flip-flops much earlier in the year, but... I am um, really excited to peek behind the curtain. Uh, my dog ate a pair of very nice brown dress shoes that I was planning on wearing to New York City for BEA. So the last week and a half, I've been breaking in new ones because I'll oh, be in New York word. City. Oh, I was not happy with him. It was very, he just like, I came home and he looked at me like, I did a thing and <laughs> you're going to find out about it. It's bad, dad. Sorry. And it was. So anyway, that's, well, that's Adam's footwear update 2018. What happened today in this episode? So this is an episode I recorded way back at ALA Midwinter with Claire Legrand. Uh, she is a very popular YA author, and she has a new YA book coming out um, tomorrow called Furyborn, and it is amazing. <laughs> it I, is amazing. I feel like this book has been circling our office for going on like nine months. It has. It has. The- yeah. When um so when our friend Margaret from Sourcebooks came to our office to do a little presentation about upcoming source books books, she had um she could not stop raving about Furyborn. And so um yes, it, we've had multiple copies in and around the office for quite a while now. It's so When I saw that, honestly, like the amount of time we've had with this book, my wife read it in like October to like she read my advanced reader copy of it. And I when I saw that this was the episode we were recording an intro for today, I was like, wow, we really goofed on how late we were with this. No, the book is just not coming out. So finally, it's just not coming out. Yeah, it's yeah. So it is about um, two women They're. I think they're both sort of like in their their early 20s-ish or like 18, 19. And um, it's in this kingdom. Um, and the the women are a thousand years apart. Um, and you know there's some kind of connection, but you're not entirely sure what it was, what it is. And the, the one story she's sort of like on the run a thousand years before her was this queen who has to kind of prove her powers um, there is a, a prophecy that she is um, possibly 
meant to fulfill. Yeah, it's it's really well written. Um, <laughs> I've I told this to both coworkers and then even Claire um, when I interviewed her that you know the 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 chapters go back and forth between the two women. And so it's not as easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to read the next chapter because the next chapter is the other woman. And so then you have to get to the next chapter of that one. So you actually have to read like two chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really It's almost good. like that's by design. Uh, I know, right? Shocking. Crazy. Also, Claire's a librarian. So that's always fun, too. Yes. I saw her at the Public Library Association conferences. And I glanced over. I was like, hey, Jill sat down with you. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm... It's, it's a wonderful book. And I just saw that she just finished the second, um, the first draft of her second book. So clearly for people who were wondering, it's going to be a series. That's, yeah, that's, yes, it is a trilogy. Um, that's one of those things, you know, when it comes to the perks of our position is getting these books far in advance of the publication date. And so now, right, we're like all excited because... We can talk about it, and now everyone else can read it, mm-hmm. but we read it like six months ago, <laughs> so now we have to wait on yeah, top of the... It's truly a first world problem. It is most definitely a first world problem. The biggest part, it's the, issue, the only issue with me about it is like, I am so thankful that we get to read books early. My biggest issue is then, outside of the office, having no one to talk to about it. Like, I'll go to my parents or my friends, be like, I just read this incredible book by Claire the Grand, and you're not going to believe it, and like, cool, what's it called? Like, Furyborn, like... Adam, when does it come out? Yeah. Like, May. They're like, cool, it's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of that. Yeah. It's a little bit of that. That's okay. Worth the wait for everyone else, I promise. Uh, if people want to get a hold of us, you can visit our website, uh, professionalbooknerds.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds, or you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. also want to point out, if you go to our website, there's a contact form on there, and people have actually been using it to contact us and... Get some book recommendations, and we've had a few author interactions. Jill, you had a good author interaction. I'm not going to talk about yet, but um, yeah, I like when people actually go to our website and use it because it took one of our designers several months to put together, so it's much appreciated. Uh, Anything else you think people should know about? I think that's everything. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this splendid interview that Jill did with Claire Legrand on on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is Jill, and with me I have Claire Legrand, author of The Cavendish Home for Boys and Girls, which NYPL included in their 100 titles for reading and sharing in 2012, and her novel Some Kind of Happiness was nominated for an Edgar Award. Her latest novel, Fury Born, is out in May. Claire, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to Fury Born? Yes, absolutely. So the official pitch for Fury Born is that it's um, it's a big epic fantasy, young adult. It's the first in a trilogy. It's about a centuries-long war between humans and angels and the two young women who must fight at the center of this war. And the choices that these women make and the surprising connections between them, because they are separated by a thousand years, ultimately determines the fate of their world and of each other. Um, and then my unofficial X meets X pitch that I am quite fond of right. is... Um, Avatar The Last Airbender meets His Dark Materials meets Game of Thrones, but without the gratuitous violence against women. 
Which is always a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Having read the book, I would agree with that entire collection. You have, of, uh, you know, you, you uh, at an event last night described it that way and you got a round scene, round of applause yes. with the, <laughs> the Game of Thrones mention. Yes, I think people are hungry for, you know, big fantasy books that have all the sword fighting and all the palace intrigues and all the things that you love about fantasy books, but without resorting to um, certain tropes about especially violence against women and just gratuitous violence in general right. that often fantasy novels resort to. So I, it was very important to me when I was writing this book to not go down that road. Right. So. And instead you have two very strong women at the center, which I love. They're just yes. these very complicated characters. They are. And they are very strong, but they're also very flawed and yes. fragile and vulnerable in a lot of ways, which I find very interesting as a reader to read about characters like that. So it was really fun to write about them. I bet. And I know um, you had this idea of quite a while ago for this book, yes. and it took you a while to write it. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit so, about that? Yeah. So I, <laughs> um, so I came up with the idea for the Imperium trilogy overall um, when I was 18, so nearly 14 years ago. And it took me years and years of working on it and then putting it away and working on other things and then coming back to it and totally, you know, starting over from square one and restructuring how I was trying to tell the story. Just many, many trial and error adventures right. um, over the years in between working on other books and now finally, so many years later, it's going to be a real book and I'm so excited. Um, yeah, it's been a long journey. <laughs> But that makes it all the sweeter. It does. I know. So then do you have the whole the whole trilogy kind of figured out? Yeah. I've had the overall story planned out for many years now. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that I'm working on book two right now, and I'm sure as I finish that and work on book three, certain things will shift or evolve because that inevitably happens during the drafting of a book. Right. But the overall arc, yes, and the fates of certain characters, yes, have been have been set in my mind yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, which is very exciting to finally see it all becoming real. I think knowing that it took you so long probably gives hopes to a lot of writers who have that idea that they just can't quite get it there. Yeah. I, I get that question a lot when I talk because I, I do school visits and I talk to kids so I show them. I always begin my presentations by showing my big stack of rejection letters and mm -hmm. I ask them to guess what this is. And they all think, oh, it's a first draft of a book or it's um, it's a journal or something like that yeah. because it's a pretty thick stack of, sure. of papers. And when I tell them that it's rejection letters, their eyes just get so big. And it really resonates with them because so many of them have stories that they are trying to write, but they don't think that they're good enough to write them or they've been working on them for a long time and not making progress. Um, and I always tell them, you know, if it's something that you, if it's a story that you can't stop thinking about and that you can't get out of your head, that means something. And so if you have to put it aside for a while because you don't know how to do it justice yet, that's okay. Go work on other things. Go mm -hmm. fill your creative well and read a bunch of amazing books and get inspired and, and come back to it. If, if you love it that much, it'll still be there. Um, and there's no rush, you know. And I felt that urgency a lot when I was younger that if I didn't write this book and sell it right now, then right. it would disappear into the abyss and I would never get it published and I would never be happy. <laughs> like I'd be just existentially <laughs> depressed for the rest of right. my life. But And I understand that urge, but it's okay to take your time. And it's okay to experiment and with other projects and come back to it if you need to. And I think the the no rushing thing is important for writers of all ages too, because mm -hmm. you hear about 
writers who publish much later in their life mm -hmm. and you're never really too old to write if you no. have that story however long it takes you just be patient and keep working at it so. yeah absolutely and also know that while you are being patient and working on it and setting it aside and coming back to it everything that you're experiencing in your life sounds cheesy but everything you experience informs who you are as a person and as a writer and will make your writing that much better so right. It's okay if you're not writing for a while and doing other things. Like it, it's all part it's of all it. It's all part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I loved the book. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, where did you get the idea? Because it's just so fascinating. You have these two women, a thousand years apart, and the whole time, you know, there has to be some connection, but you don't know what it is, and you just have to. Like I kept reading mm -hmm. and reading because I had to know, and then the whole angels thing, and I just there's so much packed into this really wonderful book. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> My poor editor, oh, no. who is wonderful, and she's game for anything. I remember I had a conversation with her about book two before the holidays, and uh, I told her, like, I have this new idea for a new element that I want to add into the book, and I explained it to her, and she said, so you want to make an already complicated book even more complicated? And I was like, yeah, that's what I do. I, um, but she's wonderful. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of moving parts in the book. There are a lot of characters. It's a big cast. It's a big story. And as the trilogy goes on, the story expands even sure. more. Um, but the original idea came when I was 18, like I said. And I was coming back from a family vacation. And um, I was on an airplane. And I was listening to Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, mm -hmm. a Howard Shore's score for that movie. And I had this vision of this young woman who would become real. And... I saw her in a scene that would become something that happens toward the end of book three. And I was immediately captivated by this woman and the circumstance that she was in and asked myself more and more questions about her, like who she is and what is going on here and who does she love and who does she hate and who loves her and who hates her and just asking myself all of these questions about this woman who came to me in a daydream. And then the story grew up around the answers to those questions. Um, and and yeah, that's it. Took a while for all of that to unfold in my brain. I know, I know, because I'm like, wait, it's even the end of book three, so you had to like mm -hmm. work backwards. Well, and the prologue, <laughs> okay, of Furyborn does begin, it and does. this is not spoiling anything. It is not, it's the prologue, right. but um, it begins at a very pivotal moment for Riel, for one of the two main characters, and then you go back yeah. after the prologue to a couple of years prior and see the events that led up to that prologue. So. Right. That is true. That kind of fits with how the story came to me. All right. That um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, the fact that you kind of go back and forth between these these two characters, I, I told a coworker who'd also read it, I was like, the problem, it's a good problem, but, you know, you're always like, oh, I'm just going to read one more chapter. Yeah. But you can't. Yeah. Because <laughs> the next chapter is the other character, and then you get to the end of that one, and then you go. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad that you experienced that. Very intentional. I did. Oh, um, man. So I was like, I have to go to bed. I know. I know. And it's a good problem it to have. It is a good problem but to I, have. But I love when books do that. But yeah, I very much, I was concerned about, you know, I, I knew that it would be challenging for some readers to go back and forth between the dueling POVs. And I wanted it to feel, I didn't want it to feel like, oh, I have to go back to this other POV. I really only like the one. You know, I didn't want it to feel that way for readers because right. sometimes when I read multiple POV books, I'm like, oh, I like these characters, but not necessarily this one. Right. So I worked really hard to make both stories equally engaging so that 
it would never be a disappointment to have to leave that cliffhanger and then go back to the other character yes. for the next chapter. So well, it works for me, I'm and so I glad. and I think it also. You know, these engaging characters, and I don't mean this as an insult, although it may come out that way. Either <laughs> one is, like, it's not that they're not likable, but... Oh, they're super unlikable. Okay. And I, I love like, that about safe them. to say? No, that's totally... I love unlikable <laughs> female protagonists. Um, I think they are very interesting. Yes. Like, as a reader, I love it when a character is unlikable. I'm right. using finger quotes here. She you is using see. finger quotes, um, yeah. I don't really like that term always because I think it's unfairly and disproportionately applied to women. Correct. Whereas, Which is why I, was, I wasn't yeah, quite sure I how else to describe it. But but it is a very good way of just, it's a very accessible way of yes. describing it. But like men can just be men and they're, you know, they're not unlikable. They're just men. Right. But if a woman is angry or passionate or lustful or violent, then she falls into that unlikable category, which bothers me. But at the same time, I kind of wear it as a badge of honor. I'm like, heck yeah, they're unlikable. Like, and I love them for it. Right. So I'm glad that you liked that too. I did. (laughs) So I read a lot of fantasy and I'm always fascinated by the world building Mm. aspect. How do you even approach that? (laughs) Because I I think it's it's especially because in this particular world, you have these elements of, well, elements of magic that are tied to elements essentially yes and and all of that it's just just big i it it just blows my mind that writers do this there's a lot going on yeah there's elemental magic there are lots of different races of beings like we have humans we have angels we have marks which are um mixed human and angel heritage we have lots of creatures and there's um, a big world religion Mm -hmm. that is integral to everything so yeah there are a lot of moving parts um and i think that just you know, I've been working on it for 14 years. So you just, I just brainstormed and have tons and tons of notes and some things that I discarded years ago that didn't fit and that weren't working. And so I replaced them with other elements. Okay. Elements. Elements. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think for anything like this, a big fantasy book, there's a lot of percolating that goes mm-hmm. into building the world before you actually get into properly writing the book. Um, so there's a lot of time... Um, built into this creative process where I'm maybe not even concretely working on it. I'm just thinking about it and I'm making Pinterest boards and I'm listening to music and I'm just letting it all stew right. and, and sort of getting to know the world organically and, and watching it grow. Um, but it takes a lot of time. Yes. That actually um, ties into one, one of my next questions. Mm-hmm. You, I don't, you were a musician, you are a musician. I was a musician. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was a classical trumpet player. Okay. So I wanted to, I, my goal was to play in the New York Philharmonic because I'm nothing if not ambitious. <laughs> and, um, and that's what I went to school for. Okay. And, um, I actually changed my major halfway through my undergraduate studies to pursue writing, um, rather than music. Um, okay. so then so. does music play a part in your writing process? Yes. Do you have like Spotify playlists? Like oh, I do? Yes. Okay. I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, so the Fury Born Spotify playlists are not public yet, okay. but I have three of them Okay, because uh, it's extensive, so I split it up right, into three sure. parts. But um, for my other published books, I do have um, publicly Public viewable books. playlists, okay. um, and I do. I listen to a lot of film scores. Right. That's my primary um, musical genre, and I, I brainstorm to music, and I usually have music playing when I'm writing. Um, and if I get stuck on something, I will go on a drive or a walk or something and put in my headphones and just let my mind wander while I'm listening to music. So, um, 
yeah, it's a huge part of my process. So they're not public, but can you tell us maybe some of the songs that are on any of them? Oh, if you can gosh. remember. So off I the have top a of lot head. of, yeah. <laughs> um, well, again, it's a lot of TV and film okay. scores. So um, for Fury Born, I have some of them. I have the um, Game of Thrones, uh, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. I have um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Um, I also have the scores for The Crown, season one and two, um, Penny Dreadful. Oh gosh, what else? Things like things like that. Yeah, um, like that is such dark, kind of fantastical, <laughs> right. lush. Um, I have a lot of um, action music too. Oh, Vikings, um, the TV series Vikings, um, because there are a lot of action scenes in Fury Born. So I have a lot of appropriately action-packed tracks on the playlist. That all, um, it's a very wide mix, and it all the tutors. makes sense. Yeah, yeah the that tutors. all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, they kind of all fit tonally. <laughs> they all with, fit tonally, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm going to shift gears slightly because you are a librarian. I am. And I always like asking um, fantasy writers this, but I think your background can bring a unique perspective to the question. What do you think it is about YA fantasy that makes it so popular? I think there are a couple of things. First of all, I think fantasy in general stands the test of time and trends because it's a very engaging way of exploring real-world issues, but in a fantastical world that is not our own. So it makes those issues more universal and more accessible than if we were discussing them in plain real-world terms. Um, And also I think YA fantasy in particular, and YA in particular as a category, is so full of hope and fun and mm-hmm. joy and wonder and sometimes that's missing from adult literature and even Furyborn it's a very dark book like there's there are lots of scary <laughs> things that happen um, it is somewhat violent um, people are in danger right. mortal peril you know but there is a sense of hope that suffuses everything and I think that is integral to making a good YA book and also it's it's part of why it's so successful as a category um and then why fantasy combines both of those right. things into just one juggernaut genre. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so much. It's so, why fantasy is so imaginative. People do so many amazing things and there's so many amazing worlds and stories. It seems to me one of the most versatile and dynamic genres because people just, in YA, authors can go full throttle, imaginative, crazy world building great concepts and kids will buy it like mm-hmm. as long as it's emotionally authentic kids and teens they are there they're there for that they are there for any kind of crazy imaginative world you can throw at them as long as you're not talking down to them and treating them right. with the respect that they deserve then they are there and they're with you for the ride no matter how wild it is i mean so. adults too it's it's popular among adult readers yes and it is popular among adult readers i think because adults thirst for that sense of hope and wonder and in, in their in the books that they read for pleasure and you can find so much of that in ya um so, yeah, that's so as a librarian, yes. are there any books out now or coming soon that you would recommend to our readers? Just of any mm. genre. Well, I'm very excited about, um, I just picked up an arc of this okay. today, actually. Um, Blood, Water, Paint by Joy McCullough, I believe is how you say her name. It's a novel in verse, and it's about um, a 16th century um, Italian artist. Um, and I think there are discussions of um, some horrible things that happened to her um sadly i believe that this book will resonate a lot right now with what's going on with the me too and the time's up discussion and and discussions of of sexual assault Mm -hmm. and 
um, things of that nature because this historical figure went through things like that and still produced beautiful art. And so I think it discusses themes that are relevant and timely, sadly, right now. Right. So I'm very excited for that. I've heard wonderful things about it. It sounds really good. Um, oh my gosh, what was the one that I was so excited? Oh, Tess of the Road, which is another upcoming one. I think it comes out next week or the week after. Okay. By Rachel Hartman. And it's a big fantasy. It's set in the same world as Seraphina and Shadowscale, which um, came out a few years ago about dragons, um, but in such an interesting, such an interesting interpretation of dragons. And this book is set in that world. Okay. Um, and I think again, it deals with a lot of issues of consent and um, and and female empowerment and things of that nature that are going to be especially resonant right now. Right. Um, so those are a couple of titles okay. that I'm very excited about. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that kind of is interesting. I, fiction sometimes makes it easier for both read, for readers and writers to kind of broach those difficult topics. Yes. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and I think that goes back to what I was saying, why fantasy is so popular, because it's a way of talking about those difficult topics, but in a way that feels almost a little safer right. because it's in a fantasy world, right? So there's that level of distancing yourself from the horror of the themes that you're discussing because you're in this fantasy realm. And so it gives, yeah, it gives you a little buffer. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons why it's so popular as a genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting with everything that's been going on the past couple of years in current events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be really interested, and you've already kind of seen that, I'm interested to see the wave of feminist YA literature that, that comes will be out coming of it. out. Yeah. yeah. I have a book coming out in the fall called Sawkill Girls that is about um, women coming together to basically trample the patriarchy. So sign me up. Yeah. So it's just it's something that I think we're gonna see a lot of yeah. right now. And Furyborn has that as well. Um, these two young women are existing within the confines of societies built by men. And they are rebelling against that. And they have lots of men, some of them very well-meaning, who are telling them the way they should live their lives. And they're having to fight against those expectations and and build their own voices and their own visions for what their lives should be. Yeah. Um, So... And they're really messy about it, too, because they're messy girls. And I love them for it. They are messy girls. They are. Yeah, they're just very authentic characters. Thank you. Thank you. I think that the mistakes that they make and the choices that they make and the feelings that they experience are all very relatable to anyone, but especially women and especially young women. Um, I would have loved this. I mean, I know I'm biased, but I would have loved this book (laughs) as a teen because I was hungering for books about girls who, who hunger, who hunger for power and sex and, and, and victory and all of these things that these girls sort of unabashedly want and crave. I would have loved, I would have loved yeah. that. So I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. <laughs> so at the end of all of our um, interviews, we do something we call the nerd nine, which Ooh. are nine. I like the of, sound of this. <laughs> uh, don't put too much thought into these. Okay. 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 What was the last book you finished reading? Oh my gosh, what was the last book I finished reading? I just read, oh, I just read, um, a book for a blurb, so maybe I can't talk about it. But the one I'm, the one I'm reading right okay. now is called The Strays by Emily Bitto, or B I T T O. And it's about the, um, modern art movement in Melbourne, Australia in the 30s and 40s, and it's lovely. And okay. I'm really enjoying that. Your favorite book of all time? Um, His Dark Materials. Oh, that's that's kind one. of a cheat, I guess, because it's three Almost books. three, but. But 
if I'll I count have to, it. Yeah, we'll do that. And also A Wrinkle in Time, oh. which I'm so excited about the movie coming out. Uh, do you have a favorite place to read? Um, in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Even though even though that can be dangerous. Oh, yeah, because I end up flying asleep. Yeah. yeah. But I, I prop myself up, you know, and that I keeps me like, away for a while. I feel like keep shifting so I don't get too comfortable. Exactly. But if you're in a slightly uncomfortable position, because I'm less likely to fall yes. asleep that way. Yes, exactly. A place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet. I would love to go to Vienna because it's such a musical city. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my musical background, right. I would love to go there and totally nerd out. Um, haven't made it there yet, but okay. hopefully someday. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Neither. I don't drink either. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I had to drink one, I guess tea. I mean, you don't have to. It's just. But if, if I had to choose one, <laughs> tea. Okay. But I don't drink either of them. Okay. Yeah. What is your favorite food? Pizza. And if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. This is going to sound so, like, superficial. The first thought that came into my head was Daniel Craig. <laughs> oh, I would do that, too. I love yeah. him. <laughs> he is, not only is he super handsome, he is a Trekkie, and he loves Harry Potter, and he's a gamer. So he's a big old nerd. That's pretty much... That's the trifecta, that's trifecta. the nerd yeah, trifecta. It is. I can't it is. believe that's the first person who popped into my head. <laughs> I just went with it. That's okay. Go with um, it. Yeah. So All right. thank you. Thank for you this. so much for coming on the podcast, Claire. It was so fun. It was a delight. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.